The EU should establish its own pan-European COVID-19 mobile application, according to the EU's data protection watchdog. Welcome to your Active Digital Brief podcast with me, Samuel Stolton, where I'll be looking into this issue further, as well as giving a breakdown into the week's biggest European tech stories in the world of politics and policy. Well, good day from a very sunny Brussels, and um, it's slightly ironic that whenever the sun comes out in this city, we are all resigned to remaining indoors, but nonetheless, the news never stops, and we have a very, very jam-packed issue for you today, starting with this story that the EDPS has recommended the EU develop its own pan-European COVID-19 application following various um, initiatives rolled out by member states. This is what the European Data Protection Supervisor had to say at the beginning of this week. The EDPS is aware that the number of the EU member states have or are in the process of developing mobile applications that use different approaches to public uh, to, to protect public health, involving the processing of the personal data in the different ways. The use of temporary broadcast identifiers and Bluetooth technology for the contact tracing seems to be the useful path to achieve privacy and personal protection effectively. Given all these divergences, uh, the European Data Protection Supervisor calls for pan-European model of COVID-19 mobile application, coordinated at the EU level. Following on from those comments uh, by the EDPS, uh, the Commission yesterday announced that it will develop a joint toolbox for a common coordinated approach on the use of smartphone apps by April the 15th, which will highlight the need for privacy standards in the use of certain technologies in the fight against COVID-19. So perhaps at the moment it's a bit far-fetched to say that an EU-wide application is in the offing, uh, but this process of developing uh, a communication on common uh, standards and a harmonised and coordinated approach to the use of certain applications um, could be, could be, I'm just saying, the first step in a longer process whereby um, a unified, fully coordinated application is created at the EU level. So watch this space and see. Meanwhile, another story that we picked up on this week uh, was a new report published by the EU Agency for Fundamental Rights, uh, which brought to light certain disparities between EU data protection authorities with regards to the advice that they have given out amid the current public health crisis. Um, So far, all member states of the EU have issued advice on the collection of personal data amid the coronavirus outbreak, but the agency believes there is a lack of harmonisation in the approach national DPAs have taken. I caught up with Joanna Goody over the phone earlier this week to hear more about her concerns in this field, and she's the head of the agency's research and data unit. Well, with um, a lot of data protection authorities in the member states have like issued guidance uh, about how people should go about, like employers uh, should go about um, gathering information or using information this time so that they don't break uh, the general data protection regulation. 
And when we actually uh, collected the evidence uh, on guidance given by DEPAs, uh, it's clear that this is not harmonised across the member states. So whilst FRA documents the situation, you've got uh, not a harmonised response across all DPAs in the member states. It's uh, clear that this is also an area that um, European Data Protection Supervisor will also um, step up to uh, because, of course, employers and other actors want to know what action can they take or not take, for example, in relation to transmitting information about whether a colleague at work uh, has got COVID-19, for example. In this context, interestingly enough, the European Data Protection Board, which is the organisation responsible for overseeing the work of national DPAs across the European Union, this week issued a mandate for guidance to be developed by subgroups on COVID-19 geolocation tech and the processing of health data for uh, research in the current public health crisis. So there is a level of coordination and harmonisation taking place at the EU level. We just have to see uh, how far that harmonisation is able to reach, I suppose, at the current moment. Uh, This is an issue which, of course, hasn't escaped the scrutiny of the European Parliament. Uh, Chair of Parliament's Civil Liberties Committee, uh, Juan Fernando López Aguilar, is keeping an eye on developments in this field and released a statement earlier this week saying that the Civil Liberties Committee is following these developments closely because of the serious risks that such tools may imply for an individual's fundamental rights to a private life and data protection. Staying with data protection, uh, the UK's Department for Digital Culture, Media and Sport this week announced a partnership with a contingency of the UK's leading video games firms to deliver in-game coronavirus warnings to players using geolocation technology um, to deliver stay-at-home, save-live messages to players across a range of titles, including Candy Crush Saga and Dirt Rally 2.0. I followed up with DCMS about this to see if they had consulted the UK Data Protection Authority on this new partnership, and DCMS weren't able to confirm whether they had consulted uh, the UK Information Commissioner's Office and neither was the ICO able to confirm whether they had been consulted by the DCMS. So we'll wait and see if this story has any further privacy implications further down the road. Continuing uh, with data protection, a report from the Irish Data Protection Watchdog has said this week that health organisations in the country could be sharing sensitive data about personal illnesses with tech platforms such as Google or Facebook. The Irish DPC noted that they were concerned details of illnesses or conditions that a user may search for on particular health websites is being shared with parties such as Google or Facebook. Continuing now, but more of a Brexit slant on the data world, a parliamentary source told me earlier this week that the Civil Liberties Committee is due to vote on their draft report on whether the UK should participate in the PRIM system on April the 23rd. However, this date is subject to change uh, with the ongoing coronavirus crisis. Um, If you recall, the PROM agreement is an international convention 
designed to facilitate the exchange of DNA, fingerprint and vehicle registration data between signatories and a report from the Civil Liberties Chair Juan Fernando Lopez Aguilar, again, he's been a very busy individual um, recently, highlighted concerns over the UK's involvement uh, in this regime, bearing in mind the country's track record in uh, data protection standards. Talking a bit more broadly now about how digital policy in the European Union could be impacted by the coronavirus outbreak, we received a leak at the beginning of this week, uh, which was a draft Council of the EU conclusions document on shaping Europe's digital future. Uh, The document highlighted how EU member states and the European Commission should thoroughly analyse the experiences gained from the COVID-19 pandemic in order to inform future policies across the entire spectrum of the digital domain, and in particular fields such as e-health, digital education, e-government, data sharing and broadband connectivity should receive particular attention. And you can read more about this leak on the Euractive website. Moving on now to other comments um, made by certain high-level political officials in the EU this week. And the digital tax has re-emerged as a potential policy area in the EU. Um, The EU's finance and economy commissioner, Paolo Gentiloni, said this week that the strain imposed on Europe's economy as a result of the coronavirus outbreak highlights the importance of agreeing on a global framework for digital taxation. Uh, And he said this at a Bruegel event um, on Monday, speaking by video link. And let's listen to exactly what the Italian had to say. The, The commitment in July to uh, to try to uh, come um, with a uh, G20 OECD proposal on this uh, digital taxation. Uh, we are not yet there. Uh, I think that you are right saying that uh, this uh, crisis uh, is uh, probably uh, stressing even more the importance of this uh, tool to be adopted Uh, and uh, who knows, maybe the crisis will uh, help to give uh, a little bit more boost to multilateralism and international cooperation. This is my hope, but it could be also the contrary. So that in the crisis, uh, the the national interest uh, prevails even more than before. What is uh, clear from the European Union point of view is that we need a digital taxation and we are now working to have it at a global level, which should be the the best way to avoid double taxation and other very complicated issues. Now, obviously here, Gentiloni is making the case once again that an agreement at the OECD level is preferable. Uh, But should that not happen, then this could be an area in which the EU um, is able to make progress in in the future. Uh, Interestingly enough, of course, this week, uh, the Polish Prime Minister um, also said um, that during recent European Council summit meetings, he had personally stressed the need 
for the bloc to return to the idea of a continent-wide approach for the taxation of digital giants. So it is on the agenda of national leaders as well. Moving on to artificial intelligence, and we have had uh, a couple of parliament opinions being submitted this week. Uh, Estonian MEP Ermas Payet of the Committee on Foreign Affairs has submitted an opinion on the ethical aspects of AI to the Committee on Legal Affairs for their initiative report that is being conducted. The opinion highlights that for any defence application of AI-enabled systems, the union should set technical and organisational standards to ensure their resilience against cyber attacks and digital influence. Hardly surprising words there. Uh, meanwhile, Andrei Kovrakic of the Civil Liberties Committee has submitted his own opinion for the Committee on Culture and Education as part of their report on artificial intelligence in education, culture and the audiovisual sector. The report states that while AI tools have the potential to fight illegal content online ahead of the Digital Services Act expected for the end of this year, such tools should always respect fundamental rights especially freedom of expression, and should not lead to a general monitoring of the internet. Interesting that Coverage had picked up on the DSA there. It still remains unclear um, whether the timeline for the uh, framework will abide by the previous plan to be presented in Q4. Uh, but staying with the subject more generally, um, today... The rights group European Digital Rights has released its first set of fundamental rights-based recommendations for the DSA. Those recommendations include making dominant platforms interoperable with other services, introducing proper safeguards, as well as due progress and genuine legal redress, and establishing national dispute settlement mechanisms. And uh, Jan Penfrat, Edry Senior Policy Advisor, said that an internet for the people is open, accountable and decentralised. It allows people to choose to communicate across digital silos, to control their data and to access justice when they feel their content has been wrongly taken down. Today's platform ecosystem, driven by targeted advertisement, however, does not serve people and does not protect their rights and freedoms. It mainly serves big tech companies' profits. And those were the words of Jan Penfrat at Edry. Staying with the DSA, we've had a couple of Parliament opinions being submitted this week. Uh, IMCO have submitted their own draft opinion to the Committee on Legal Affairs for their initiative report on the DSA. And the Civil Liberties Committee has submitted their own opinion for the Internal Markets Initiative report, uh, as has the Transport Committee. So a lot of opinions going on with regards to the DSA at the moment, but perhaps the most pressing question is uh, when we can expect the timeline of this um, to continue, really. It's been put on the back foot, um, as has the public consultation on the plans, which was originally scheduled to be presented in March, and we're still waiting for an update on when that will begin. Moving on to 5G now, and a conspiracy theory that links 5G mobile telecommunications masts to the spread of the novel coronavirus is dangerous fake news and completely false. 
the UK government said on Saturday after masts in several parts of the country were torched. Um, interestingly enough, this comes at a time in which the UK government has launched a competition called 5G Create within the 5G Testbeds and Trials programme to offer up to £30 million of government funding to those aiming to explore and develop new use cases of 5G technical capabilities. Jumping across from 5G to cybersecurity now, and a report from Interpol has warned that healthcare authorities face a plethora of cybercrime threats amid the coronavirus outbreak. Meanwhile, in an interview with Euractiv's media partner EFE, the head of Interpol, Jürgen Stock, has urged the world's citizens to be vigilant and to protect themselves online, warning that cybercriminals are taking advantage of increased internet activity amid national lockdowns and the current climate of fear resulting from the pandemic. In the world of disinformation this week, there has been a couple of big stories. Facebook's WhatsApp tightened message forwarding limits on Tuesday, restricting users to sharing forwarded content one chat at a time after a jump in messages touting bogus medical advice since the start of the coronavirus crisis. The news comes as YouTube also plans to take down all conspiracy theory videos falsely linking coronavirus symptoms to 5G networks, as uh, I noted a moment ago. Interestingly enough, um, Facebook, if you hadn't noticed, earlier this week quietly released Tuned, a new messaging app designed for couples, uh, which may or may not throw up some privacy uh, stories in the future. Going forward, uh, on my radar, next week, April the 14th, we have Didier Reinders, Commissioner for Justice, sitting in front of parliamentarians in the Internal Market Committee. Uh, he'll be conducting an exchange of views on certain issues related to the COVID-19 outbreak in respect of consumer protection. Meanwhile, Commissioner for the Internal Market, Thierry Breton, is due to appear in front of Transport Committee members on Tuesday the 21st of April 2020. Thank you very much for tuning in to this week's Digital Brief. I hope you manage to enjoy the sun as much as you can do under the current circumstances at the moment. But you'll hear from me again next week.